Welcome to the latest episode of the Documentary Photography Review Podcast. My name is Chris King and it's good to be back behind the mic once more. It's been a while since I last interviewed anybody, but I'm hoping to resurrect the podcast and release at least one episode every month. Moving forward, I'll be exploring all elements of documentary storytelling and all types of stories, not just those people have explored local to them. This will hopefully include picture editors and others working in the wider industry. In this episode, I'm speaking with Eduardo Lial, a photographer originally from Portugal, but resident in London and often in various locations across South America, where he explores topics on environmental and social justice issues. I first came across Eduardo's work during a graduate exhibition at the London College of Communication in London, where his work for Cados was on display, a story exploring the lives and activities of Portuguese bullfighters. Since he graduated, Eduardo has spent a lot of time in South America and has a particular attraction to the culture and politics of Venezuela. In the interview, we discuss Eduardo's work, his practices, how he goes about obtaining commissions and much more. You can find show notes for this episode with links to all the people and organizations we've mentioned at documentaryphotoreview.com forward slash interviews and simply navigate to the page for this podcast. So without further ado, here's my interview with Eduardo Leal. Okay, so uh, if you could introduce yourself and maybe kind of share your journey into documentary photography, first of all. Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Eduardo, Eduardo Leal. I'm a documentary photography originally from Portugal, uh, where I was born and grew up. Um, my way into photography, I always like take photos, uh, <laughs> but I never took it seriously. Um, um, it came from my grandfather, who gave me, he was a colonel from the army, but he photographed and documented a lot of his life, especially when he was in the Portuguese colonies at the time in Africa. Um, so I grew up always with photos at home, and I got his, one of his cameras he gave me, I was a teenager, but I never took it seriously. Uh, somehow in the middle I went to study journalism but it's funny I went to study almost journalism I like to write but I was really excited because in the second year I will have photojournalism but I never still it was just oh it's, it must be really cool and everything mm -hmm. to have this class uh, I never imagined that uh, after that class it was really then I realized okay I can actually not write I can use photos I don't know I never s saw that's it was in front of me in newspapers and everything but mm -hmm. I never took it seriously and after that I start really considering to uh, well strike to do it I know it's a, it was really hard to begin and where to begin you don't mm -hmm. know those things so. and then well slowly I start uh, doing my small projects studying more I came to London I studied in LCC first in a professional course that doesn't exist. I think it's ABC course, right. photography. Basically, it's a more general course, but mm -hmm. I already knew which direction I went. And then I had a, a big part of my education as well was here in London. I had the opportunity to work for a foundation where uh, they build up archives of documentary photography, mostly revolutions. All right, okay. Uh, so um, during that time, basically from one course until I did the MA, I stayed with them almost five years uh, doing cataloging, helping curating shows and everything, mm -hmm. which my first assignment was the Cuban Revolution. Right, okay. And so in a way it was a really great experience to spend every day looking to photographs of mm. Rene Burry or Alberto Corda, you know, all the Cuban and international photographers. I think it was something. 
And, and what organization was that? It's uh, it was it's called the Arpad Poisson Foundation. Okay. So basically, uh, I was working with them, and it's funny because I was doing on my spare time projects, and I knew what I want, but I never know where to start. And the f the time in the foundation was not just educational in terms of seeing image and you know educate the eye mm. in a way, but uh, also gave me my first direction where I want to start working. Uh, because I remember one day I was in the office looking to some photographs and I was like, oh, you know, why I was not born in this time? I wish to be documenting this. It would mm -hmm. be amazing if I could be there and everything. Yeah. And I was always interested in Latin American politics. And suddenly I realized, well, but there's something like this happening right now, which was in Venezuela with mm -hmm. Hugo Chavez. Right, yeah. And then there's many uh, similar things in the story of the rise of Fidel and Chavez. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, the next holidays, I took like a month and I went to Venezuela. Right. Uh, yes. Funny enough, uh, this thing sometimes is luck, sometimes it's, you know, it's just destiny, I don't know. I arrived there when Chavez announced that he was sick. Mm -hmm. uh, so from that point, they started a relation with me and the country and everything that's going on. I've been, since then, every year I go back to Venezuela to document what is going on. Right. And that was my first break, basically. And after going there on my second trip, I, some, I don't know how it happened, but someone gave me a kind of assignment. Mm -hmm. And slowly I started making my way. And then you know, and later on, I went, went to do the masters because I needed some kind of... Uh, I was doing small things, but I, I was already going to Venezuela, but uh, obviously I, need, I didn't got assignments all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I felt I needed to, to do the next step, basically to throw myself to the world uh, of documentary photography. I felt the MA will be a big help, especially with maybe to put my thoughts in the right place mm -hmm. and uh, for contacts and, you know, getting a bigger network, obviously. Well, then. <laughs> and did that? Did it do everything that you? Hoped I was it expecting. Would? Uh, yeah. Yes, I. To be honest, I finished my MA. I I knew already. I I was not lost. Uh, I knew already. Okay, I'm gonna do the MA. I still work for w one year part time with the foundation, but they already knew. I told them, okay, after this, I'm really leaving. And I, a month and a half or something after the I finished the masters, I was in already in Venezuela, and I, since then I've been working in Latin America as a photographer. Yeah. But I know really well the region and I lived in Peru before. And uh, so I basically knew where I want to work, what kind of stories I would like to do. So mm -hmm. I, I went for it and well, until now it's working. <laughs> yeah, good, great. And you know, I've noticed looking at your website that you've explored a lot of stories since you finished your master's at the LCC. Um, and completed your Forcados, is that correct? Forcados, yeah. Forcados uh, work. Um, what stories have you been exploring and uh, what's been your main driving force for exploring those particular stories? Because you say that you've got this relationship with Latin America, but uh, looking at your website, there's a real diversity of stories that you've explored. And, and you mentioned just before we started recording about um, the Panama hat and, and stuff. So what, what is the main driving force uh, for exploring the stories that you have? Uh, I said, it's just interest of right. things. I I love photography, I love to create image, but I think the, 
bigger gift that photography and everything and the camera gives me, it's access to different worlds. And I'm curious by nature, so what motivates me to do different stories is sometimes I, oh, I want to know how is this. Mm -hmm. I want to know the, peop the life of these people and the camera grants me access to Sometimes I cannot even believe where I, in situations that I am. Mm -hmm. And obviously, well, with Latin America, I always had uh, some... I was always interested in politics, but then I also like as well the religions, traditions and everything. So basically it's about the curiosity that pushed me to do so mm -hmm. a different kind of stories. Yeah. Uh, it can be political, but at the same time I can do, you know, like I, I now believe a wrestling women because... Mm -hmm. And that was not... I actually knew that someone did it before many years ago but I was like okay maybe I can do my input but I'm actually want to do it even if I don't get assignment or if I don't sell I don't care I want to know them I want to have this experience basically to mm -hmm. understand why they do this and, and even if it's for me first I do stories for the public but also if I if I don't have passion in what I'm doing I don't think the work will never be good yeah. so if I have this natural interest in telling the story then I think I can portray it and you know tell the story in a better way. Mm -hmm. If I don't care, I don't think uh, I'll be like taking force. Even I, I don't think the force will be. Oh, I'm not so interested. Okay, I'll take. Not just for the sake of the image. I think uh, I have to be really interested in the thing to do, to take image. I cannot take photos of nothing that mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Uh, I'm not. I carry, for example, the camera, but I don't. I spend days without taking photos. Yeah. I, I'm not obsessed of producing image every day, and mm -hmm. I, I. But if you interest me, then I want to. So it's more the story rather yeah. than a desire to take a photograph, really. It's, yeah, more, it's more the more story, exploring that yeah. and understanding it and getting underneath the skin of exactly a particular story, right? You know, with with all these stories, how deep do you go? You know, do you do you kind of find one project and then go really deep, or do you prefer to just kind of scratch the surface a little bit and and you know, see what's underneath there, and if if, it, if that interests you, then you go deeper. Or, um, you know, what's what's your approach in terms of exploring? Uh, I I feel that some stories I there's I cannot go much deeper than not the surface, but it's just a, mm -hmm. you know one or two layers, and then these stories that even before starting or sometimes when I'm in between, I know okay I have these you know first I, the curiosity and the drive is there mm -hmm. and it, it's needed. But also I feel okay, I actually have a lot to tell and you know, and I don't, I don't get, uh, let's say lost or I don't quit easily of things. Right. So even if uh, things are not going that well, I, I keep going and mm -hmm. going. Sometimes people say that I'm obsessed, <laughs> which yeah, sometimes I'm just probably wasting my time, but I try to, uh, but obviously there's stories that you know, that uh, you know, you can go to a certain layers, one or two layers, and then there's not much more that you can add uh, to the story. So then, I think you move on. But uh, mm. the stories, uh, they just keep going and going. And for example, Venezuela for me, it's been uh, <laughs> something that I went by chance. Oh, well, as I explained, uh, I went there a bit on holidays and I never expected I was going back every year and you know I can I read the news every day of Venezuela and what's going on and mm -hmm. it's a kind of obsession in a way and so and with Venezuela are you kind of engaging with a particular community or are you kind of exploring every time you go out there are you kind of getting deeper and deeper into a particular 
uh, community or story or are you kind of just exploring many different aspects of Venezuelan society and, and uh, different, different. yeah different aspects mm -hmm. yeah um, I started at the beginning with a, a small group of people uh, unfortunately in a way they are uh, well pro-government uh, and when I was doing stories that they were happy about it, uh, it was okay. Uh, mm -hmm. When I started showing other things that I felt I had to show and document and they were not so happy with that, so well, <laughs> they blocked kind of my access right. and, yeah, and they stopped even uh, responding my phone calls. So mm -hmm. it's, it was hard to keep, I, I don't know, because they see me as a foreigner and then, oh, you are doing these kind of stories and I had some really hard moments there and they just said oh are you okay yeah yeah well i'm okay and but they said you know it's your fault you are without people what are you expecting and it was a bit like uh, now you them so you are against us and this i don't think my role is that i'm just yeah. documenting telling a story of what's mm. going on but uh, so my working with uh, just a small group of people there became a bit difficult for me mm -hmm. So there's no, there's no perception that you can be objective, that if you engage with a particular community, then you empathize with that community and yeah. then you're no longer kind of objective. Mm, no, for them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. it's, it's really a polarized society mm. and really divide and uh, you can't, you know, you are or red or blue. There's mm. no in between. Yeah. If, you, if you're taking photos of them, you are with them and no, and I, it happened various episodes and once someone took my memory cards uh, uh, I was in a, in a neighborhood and they just took me and they then they gave me later on uh, after a few days uh, and basically they told me you know oh you, we saw photos of uh, the opposition why you were with them or you know you are with them because you had photos of them and I was like no it's my job I was covering I'm covering both sides I need to I can't talk about something if I only know one side mm -hmm. or, well at least in my perspective but yeah, not yeah. in theirs so. right and have you always gone in and explored these um, stories alone or have you sought out a fixer and, and some sort of local support uh, uh, I it depends where I am, but in Venezuela, I try to local support. Right. I, with friends and people I know, they always uh, help me going around or someone that they know, and it's 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 just easier. It's not a, a, a easy place to work, so you mm. need this kind of uh, help. Mm. But in other situations, I I work well. I work many times by myself, uh, especially in Latin America. I can move easily. I I look like them, I could be from there, I speak the language, uh, I have a fair knowledge about the area, mm -hmm. so sometimes I work, but it's always better to collaborate with someone, mm -hmm. uh, especially writers, I love to write, I work with writers. Right, and have you done that often? Uh, I'm doing more and more, uh, and it's completely different, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's nice okay, to work, by myself, but it's nice when you can share things and discuss and, mm -hmm. and it's different views and uh, it actually opens sometimes your, your mind, your eyes mm -hmm. to things that sometimes you don't notice. Uh, and it's nice, the colla collaborative process. Yeah. 
uh, I think we can gain so much in just sharing and talking mm. and uh, and it's also I think yeah it's much more I'm not a writer and especially because I work only with the English and mostly foreign publications which English is not my first language one mm -hmm. thing is probably speaking another thing is writing and having someone that can put all the right words and everything and I can translate in a way or mm. I don't like to say illustrate but uh, but gives another compliment compliment yeah, or yeah. depth in a different way yeah, yeah. to the story I think it's amazing you, mm. it's it just turns the story into something else and yeah it makes it more complete and adds other layers mm -hmm. to it um, yeah and and how how did you go about initiating these relationships with uh, some journalists? Well, some by luck. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel that no, some it happened uh, through assignments sometimes, right. and then we became friends and we got to contact and hey, oh, we can work again, mm -hmm. and and some through friends of friends that hey, you should know Eduardo, or you should know my friend, you know, is interested in doing in working this area or doing these kind of stories, and, and you know, just create a kind of sometimes friendship, yeah. uh, you know, and then. If we have the same kind of thoughts and ideals, or you know, we want to do more or less the same things, why not? Why, why mm. we? Why instead of you going on your way and I'm on mine, and we're gonna do the same thing? Why we don't mm. get together? And but you don't actually seek out people, you know, for a particular story. Until now, I never. No. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, They've always come to you, or it, by to you, yeah. destiny, uh, yeah. kind of. Yeah, it, it happens in a way. Right. I never, yeah, until now, no. Right. Okay. But I look out when knowing already the people. Mm -hmm. I will write someone that I already know and say, hey, I have this idea, what do you think about it? Are yeah. you interested? But uh, someone that I never, I, I'm a bit shy on some things. Right. Yeah. And that's the first step to meet people I'm a bit uh, reserved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which is bad sometimes, yeah. but... Uh, well, but if you've got access to a network already, then there's, there's little need, really, is there? And with regards to uh, Forcados, you got some really, ex really good exposure for that, uh, getting it published in BJP and uh, Wired and elsewhere. Did this guide your subsequent work at all and uh, the stories you explored? You know, so just thinking about not necessarily the commercial side of the story or the, you know, the commercial value of it, but actually thinking, right, you know, uh, obviously, that was a new, a newsworthy uh, story that that people picked up on. Uh, what other newsworthy stories can I explore, or have you really just kept to what you're passionate about and what you're curious about? Explored that, and then you know, approached people and said, uh, "Are you interested in this?" And if not, you've just moved on to the next one. So, has it become a guiding force at all? That desire to, you know, have some sort of so-called newsworthy stories or mm. not no I don't think no so. <laughs> okay. no uh, no yeah I was surprised I wasn't never expected that I will have so much kind of that the story will be so well accepted actually I was afraid when I finished it and even to showing him my tutors right I was a bit and then everyone oh I really like your image and yeah, yeah, I was it's like great work and I was really but because I, at the beginning I don't know uh, <laughs> I'm really uh, sometimes I look and ah, I know should be better, you know. I I knew I could do probably better here than, mm. and was not expecting. And when he got all kind of this exposure, especially when I was just living 
college mm. and you know you are a bit uh, afraid and no it was good in terms of giving me a push basically yeah, you know yeah. if people are if it's going you know being shown and people are really interested in it so it's i'm doing something right mm. <laughs> so it gives me a push uh, gave me a push to to follow the path basically yeah i don't know if i, I answer your question yeah yeah but yeah but so there's no other layer to that there's no so obviously you're saying that it's it helped you to see that you were going in the right direction you know that it motivated you gave you confidence mm -hmm. to get out there and explore other stories but you it hasn't necessarily added this kind of um thought process that to your whole decision making in terms of what story you explore uh, as to the commercial value or the potential for it to be published and uh, exposed no yeah. i'm i do those things because i'm really interested i'm not a great businessman probably as most photographers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh sometimes i do a story obviously now i think i more and more i start thinking like that mm -hmm. because obviously i have to make a living yeah. and i realize that it's not so easy i can do loads of stories but you know if no one picks them up then and then what's the point no one's gonna see them yeah i'm not i want to share it as well so mm. uh, so maybe in a way it gave me a more but still i do the things that interest my it's not my first decision is is going to yeah. be sellable or not yeah. no it, it's not but now more and more i'll have is in my thoughts as well okay is this worse in a way let's say financial way to do it or mm -hmm. not because obviously in the end you know I cannot go and do loads of stories and then no one pays for it how I finance this it has yeah. to be financial viable at least yeah. but have you have you explored any other means of financing a story like crowdfunding or mm. no no not yet uh, uh, luckily enough I since I left college it's been sustainable okay how I'm doing so great I don't know. <laughs> I see lots of people complaining. Luckily, until now, things are working. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's like the team that wins. You don't, <laughs> you keep it. You yeah, know, yeah. just if things are working for now, I, I'm gonna keep doing like that. Maybe mm -hmm. one day. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I never applied to grants, but it's, for example, one thing that's special because I've had some longer-term projects, and I will probably need some help to do something as yeah. big as. Or as long term as I want, mm -hmm. but we'll see. Because uh, you said before we started recording, you said that you wanted to go back and explore uh, other elements of the Forcados project, the, the story. And uh, can you maybe give details about that? What what exactly? Because you you felt that elements were missing, as well as other stories that you could pursue. You know what what were those? Um, basically, uh, when I went to the Furcados, I had a, a, my idea was a com it was completely different of what I did. Uh, right. but it's always like that. I imagine you know you have one concept in your head, and sometimes you arrive to the field, and it's impossible to to do what you had in mind. And it was actually it was it was not possible at all. Um, so then I started doing the story in the way I could and uh, after photographing and when I came back I started the editing process, I started realizing. And even there, uh, while I talk with them, I, you see things that or you don't have the access or, or you 
you have but you're not the way you want but you think oh you know okay now i'm doing this i had a limited time i had to give it back to the college to present it and everything so it was not like okay now i'm gonna stay here another four months doing the projects yeah. i didn't have that time that luxury in a way so during the time i was like seeing things like uh, you know how these men they just don't wrestle the bull and go home they actually leave it's they are not forcados for two hours while they are in the ring. They are forcados 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. uh, all the time. They, it's something that, you know, even if, yeah, basically if they are not. And I start seeing it was how interesting it was that part of life as well, mm -hmm. because it tells a bit who they are, you know, without even seeing the bull or them dressed up or everything. So I like to show that. And um, then there's all always gaps as well like you know I, I notice in my project there's no public which is one of the most amazing things is the passion how people are well most of people will probably not agree with what happens there but uh, yeah. the thing is that there's a massive culture around it and that will be interesting for example to add some photos of that the how they grow the bull what's the story of the bull where it comes the bull how he's treated before I go to the arena, after the arena, because in Portugal they don't kill the bull, that's why they are forcados, because they basically close the, the bullfight. While in Spain they, they kill the bull in the arena, they, in Portugal they wrestle the bull. Mm -hmm. So all these stories, uh, and then I felt as well that, which I've been playing with, but I want to give different layers in terms of multimedia mm -hmm. in the story. Okay. Uh, so adding sounds, uh, uh, doing time lapses of the arena empty and f filling up the, all the race and then getting empty again and yeah. do small things like that. I don't know if they're going to work or not. I'm actually, it's going to be the first time I really, really dive more into it. But uh, I felt it can, I can give other kinds of layers because it was a project that was in a way accepted but also criticized. Mm -hmm. And I had places that they said, we love the story, but we're not published because, you know, because of animal rights, right. activists, and, you know, we don't want, you know, we're going to have loads of, even if they don't kill the bull, you know, it's animal and everything, and there's blood, and, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to receive loads of letters of hungry readers saying, why you published this, yeah. you know. So it will be interesting to explain much more in the story and, and fill the many gaps I during the process of while I was shooting it and on the editing, I felt they were missing. The more I was looking to photos, it's like, you probably don't notice because people were not there, but yeah. when I was like, why didn't photograph? I remember they do this or they have this kind of ritual or why I don't have this? Or, yeah. you know, maybe the photos were not good. They didn't went to the edit, but maybe, oh, I can go back and portray maybe in a different way or, you know, get better light, I don't know. And, um, make it uh, deeper in a way the, the the project and I think it's not well and there's one thing I, I don't like much to tell but uh, I discovered there's women doing it as well all right okay so uh -huh. that's another one thing that I want to yeah in not in the a, a scale as men mm -hmm. um, but uh, recently women start doing it as well so I think right. it's something that can bring another perspective yeah very much so yeah okay and uh you've done well in terms of competitions as well um do you think competitions play an important role in getting a story exposure mm. and uh has it helped you to get additional commissions uh well i'm new in the competitions uh 
uh, well, I'm new in everything relating with this, but uh, uh, it's been quite a year until okay. now, yeah. and uh, and I think definitely uh, it helps with the projects get get another. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, exposure. Exposure. Exactly. Uh -huh. uh, it's. I will never reach the audience, uh, for example, with the Sony thing and the plastic trees. I will never be able to show to so many people a project and hopefully change the minds and make people think. Because it was a kind of activist pro project, that one, yeah. for the competitions. And I think uh, it was n nothing that was I've seen really will be published just because it's not a story, it's much more conceptual and everything. But, for example, especially in that one, I think uh, competitions can give, uh, well, you get a, a, a bigger audience. Uh, you know, in a magazine, you've been published once, but then it's gone. With a competition, there's all this, especially in the size of the Sony Awards, it just gets, you got spread all over the place, which, mm. you know, in a way, it's why I did that project as well. So I think it, it helps a lot. In terms of commissions coming, uh, well, it was a few weeks ago, so until now, no. <laughs> but hopefully, uh, you know. But hopefully, yes. But uh, I actually think it was the best thing. It was just because I could have access to a, a wider audience yeah. and show the project. And this, the the project that got picked up by the Sony Awards is your most recent one. Yes, it's my and yeah, it's the the recent one, and it's something I never did before. I never did a project like that. So. <laughs> Can you maybe give a, a few details? As to yeah, uh, the project stories. is about, uh, it's called Plastic Trees. Mm -hmm. So basically it's about uh, the problem of the contamination of the environment with plastic bags. Um, it was something that uh, was always in my mind, especially traveling in Latin America. Yeah. So many, you know, you just go on the bus and you just look around and it's plastic everywhere and yeah. you see people opening the window and they just shuck everything mm -hmm. and I was always like you know it's this is so beautiful but it's getting spoiled and yeah. you know in a way it's people's fault and in another way I don't think it is because they don't have a perception they were used to they were never educated to the problem of plastic no, and exactly. they were used to throw everything but everything disappeared you know exactly. they were, it was by yeah. and then suddenly they was plastic was introduced there but no one explained to the people you know this is really helpful you know it can make your life better but you know there's consequence you have to treat it in a different way you know you mm. cannot just shuck it and hope that it disappears yeah. so people continue doing that and obviously so you always bother me on all the trips and everything seeing so much plastic everywhere and i want to do it i, I was always thinking i would like to show this and this problem, but I didn't know how to photograph it. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the idea, but uh, how I will, it's plastic bags. How yeah. will, uh, you know, how am I gonna photograph plastic bags? No one will, you know, what's in the on the floor or something. So I had that in mind, but I never, and accidentally, basically, the idea came. Um, I was stuck in a small town um, in Bolivia, and I was actually waiting for permission to do another story that I never got, which is, the irony of things, and uh, and I saw this small, uh, this field full of bushes with mm. plastics, and basically then I I played a bit and I I discover the way to portray it. So basically, 
I turned little bushes with a few centimeters into trees yeah. um, with a perspective because uh, I felt it's a big problem. You know, if I show a, a tiny bush, probably no one, but if you turn it beautiful and, you know, maybe people will be like, oh, wow, intrigued, maybe they're going to look at it. Mm -hmm. And then I always work with people, so it was really different for me, you know, just shoot bushes with plastic yeah, yeah. by myself, no one to talk, no yeah. one, you know, no action. But it was amazing as well, the process for me mm. um, of having time. You know, I could look for the shot and just sit there and, and move one centimeter for there or there. Mm. It was actually a different, it was so slow in a way, and it actually was enjoyable. So basically the project, well, I got lost now. <laughs> but basically the project, so it's about yeah, the problematic of plastic bags and how it's changing the landscape and, you know, the environment. And now that you've explored kind of a... Um, a project that's purely still life and uh, conceptual in, in a way. Um, do you think you'll bring that into other stories and explore? Um, because I, very often, I think, at, at least with myself, I'll, I'll focus on the activities, the dynamic elements and, and the people and the likes. And I'll often forget about the little details, you know, the inanimate things, but that are still an important part of the story. You know the objects and and the inanimate things that uh, that might be tools or um, products or you know uh, consequences whatever it is. But often I'll overlook that to focus instead on on the dynamic and the people. You know those those elements. Uh, so do you think having spent so much time, you know, on this project and developing it and refining it and uh, as you say, kind of really slowing down and thinking about composition and perspective and and uh, and the likes and how to make it engaging. Do you think you'll incorporate that technique and that, that approach into future projects? Yeah, uh, I, I it was the I enjoy actually the whole process. Mm -hmm. It was something usually because I cover much more with people and the action, and you are much more on the move and everything. Yeah. And it's true, you lose. Sometimes you forget the little things, and um, I'll, I have some ideas. I would like to do something more, the same kind of style, and more, you know, in the small details, and you can tell a whole story. And mm -hmm. uh, um, I've seen recently, like how we, not not saying well, maybe we might push, but before uh, how effective uh, it can be. Uh, I don't, I cannot remember the photographer's name, but I remember about some refugees, and basically she just photographed the shoes. Right. and how much they walk and you know mm. and the shoes reflect what these people been through you know yeah, it's yeah. just all the walk and the hardship and everything it's mm. all just there and it's a series you just see the shoes yeah but it's you know it's so beautiful but at the same time you know it tells a story and probably people will look at it and think about it and sometimes we are so uh you know filled with image all the time and especially you know when Oh, refugees. It's sad to say this, but most of people, oh, it's another one, another photo of Africa, yeah, yeah. Or another starving child or whatever. And they just, and maybe if it's, if you go in a different way, mm. maybe people, oh, wait, you know, oh, this is intriguing. What is about it? Yeah. And they will read it and they will look probably more to the image. And in the way you are passing the message that is the most important thing. Mm. Uh, but sometimes we, I think we probably said we have now to engage the audience in a different way. Yeah. Because people are just saturated, you know, yeah. it's Instagram. You see, people consume image nowadays in seconds, oh, you know, one, two seconds. They are Instagram just flipping, yeah. zing, zing, zing. 
how how long is lose uh, how, how much time you spend in the image you mm. know it just scrolled up and down and you know yeah. so i think this kind of works can be a different approach and i really enjoy it it was a different process uh, and for me yeah, it's slowing down thinking more because i i'm uh, until now i feel that i'm I, you think but you react a lot to everything that's going on and it, it's kind of instinctive but sometimes you're not really you know absorbing and just okay you know Mm. Maybe with some photographers, but uh, so this for me was all a different experience. Yeah. And I would like to do, uh, I don't know, it's not that I'm going to do only this now, or, no, yeah. but uh, yeah. if I feel that I can tell the story, maybe if it's more effective yeah. in this way, why not? I'm, I'm happy to embrace everything, you know? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point actually, that because uh, utilizing the shoes as the way to tell the story um, and engage with an audience it bypasses any sort of prejudice that people have. And as you say, the, the saturation of imagery related to refugees and, and the likes, it just bypasses that all. And, and it does get, regardless of people's thoughts and opinions around immigration and, and refugees and, and the likes, and uh, engages them visually and gets them to think and reflect about that person's story. Yeah, I think I'll have to track down the person's name and um, add it to the show notes. But I think that's uh, yeah, it's a very very strong approach, really. If you if you want to get that message across in mm-hmm. an engaging way, but uh, yeah, bypassing the typical kind of means of doing so that may actually generate a, a response that's negative or uh, prevents people from engaging with that story. So it's a very very important point, and you're clearly motivated by a desire to raise awareness about underreported and unreported issues and stories. What role do you think a documentary photographer has in affecting positive change? And how best do you think they can go about doing this? Um, at the beginning, I, I thought I was naive maybe and thought I could change the world. That's probably most of the people that do this kind this work. Uh, then you realize that most of the people don't even care about it. But you feel that you need to tell the story. You know, if I can change, if I can create awareness in one or two people, it's already, you know, it's worth doing it. Yeah. But, you know, about changing the world, maybe some, some projects can bring some change. And obviously, that's proven record of that. But uh, in terms of uh, the majority of people really don't. It's sad, but uh, they don't care. <laughs> it is. It's, there is people that care. This is not. But I'm a bit... Uh, uh, session with the uh, kind of the humankind mm-hmm. it's uh, I don't know I the way that I see s- the societies and I think uh, I, I, I do my share I think I, I have to tell people's story and what's yeah. going on but uh, sometimes this is really sad but uh, you don't see people interested or they don't care or maybe they are too tired when they get home and they just want to get entertained and, mm. but it's less and less uh, that you can actually make a change or create awareness. It, it's really sad, but uh, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm too pessimist, but uh, it's in a way I, I, I talk with people, friends even and everything, and sometimes, oh yeah, I saw that you did that, but you know, oh, it was cool photos. Yeah. But the story, the message, sometimes just pass through, you know, mm. it's just... A, they don't engage with it further mm, No. try uh, and inform themselves as to... Yeah. The story I, behind it. No, and, and then I don't know. It's hold out the media outlets, and you know, there's always a 
there's an agenda and you yeah. know it's really I for example uh, when I was in Venezuela last year and it was the students demonstrations and there were students being killed and there was human rights violations and everything and uh, it was not coming almost I know it was Ukraine at the time as well so obviously but it's you know this is happening and no one obviously there was space in the media if they wanted but obviously they have to put some gossip and all yeah. that you know and I think that something much more important is happening and it's not and even in my country uh, my mom told me I don't know anything that's going except because you call me and tell me you know this is happening here and uh, my right. mom, because otherwise I, there's nothing I don't know what's going on there right. wow. which is so in a way I feel so what do, you, what do you think we can do as documentary photographers to try and engage with a wider audience? Uh, maybe try different ways. Uh, like we were talking about the project of the, the Shoes of the Refugees. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, maybe, you know, the time of showing work as Don McCullin, you know, with the Biafra, which got a response at that point. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's engaged maybe we still need to do it because we need to document that it's not mm. that oh my god you know we cannot change anything and let's not do anything else i don't believe in that i still believe that we have to do all these let's say more traditional ways of documenting and everything because it's important for future generations to know mm. that what happened and what exists and what was the story but uh, at the same time to engage maybe now Sometimes we need to look for different ways. Uh, I don't know, maybe multimedia, maybe using sound, maybe, I don't know. Uh, people now, they don't buy magazines. Oh, well, magazines still a bit, but uh, they don't buy newspapers. It's all about on the screen. Mm. The screen gives you different possibilities with video, sound. Uh, so I think maybe we have to go where, where the audience is looking at. If they are looking to things that able us to do different ways, we have to use it. I'm not a purist that is, I love stills and it's my main passion, but yeah. if I want to take the message to the audience, which it's the purpose in the end to do all this, yeah. even if I'm motivated by my curiosity, yeah. but you know, there's a purpose behind all this, we need to look, you know, and uh, I don't know if we need to do a different thing, I don't know how the future will be, different ways, why not? Um, obviously, you have to change not just from books or exhibitions, especially because it's such a small audience that you can reach. I think yeah. internet gives us nowadays possibilities, you know, yeah. um, that uh, we probably can get to that. But maybe, you know, I don't think we still found the right balance or, or way to maybe engage the people. Maybe, as I said, I, they are not so interested, but we mm. can make them interested, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, I. If you think in all the new websites and the scroll with all these interactive things, I think, uh, well, for me, I'm fascinated by you know uh. the possibilities that that gave, and I think people will probably you know okay, I don't read newspapers, but they can learn actually so much more with it. You put a map, you put a, you know, yeah, and it's non-linear, so they can yeah. kind of explore it the way that they want to. Mm -hmm. They're free to explore it in a way that they they want to and. Yeah, there's not linear progression, so they can dip in and dip out and um, just extract what they want from it. Exactly. Um, what interests them the most, and and even if that is just kind of one element of a very broad uh, story, it's something. You know, it sows a seed, and yeah, they may not dig deeper into the story, but at least you've you've touched that person on some level, and and they'll maybe take that away, and it'll affect them somehow, and then others will engage with it more deeply and 
and they'll have the opportunity to and I think that's the key thing is giving people the opportunity to um, explore things the way that they want to and uh, to the depth that they want to because I think there is this um, because of the image saturation because of that Instagramming you know where it's like just flick 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 uh, there needs to be something that sets you apart from everybody else and, and I think through introducing interactivity and, and utilizing web technology then that opportunity exists and, and yeah it is about uh, I think not being a purist and, and accepting that if you do want to tell a story and if you do want to engage with as wide an audience as possible then as you say you need to kind of go where they are where they're mm -hmm. kind of uh, gathering their information and, and uh, reading the stories which is less about printed media now and is more about web-based media and so yeah I think uh, you know as, as visual storytellers I think we need to embrace that you know accept it and uh, as as painful as it might be to to kind of not have an opportunity necessarily to uh, print your images to A1 and <laughs> hang them on a, a nice clean white wall uh, still if I think if you're motivated by the story and, and telling the story and raising awareness then it's one of those things that have to be um, accepted I think mm. I think it's early days as well so it's, it's great to start exploring it now I think you know multimedia and web technology because it's in its infancy and I think the audience may not be that great at the minute but it will but I think it'll grow you know definitely um, and so what's what's your strategy um, for surviving as a photographer then you're gaining commissions and, and uh, a lot of it's word of mouth I assume yeah um, but you know obviously that's going to get you so far um, and are there other ways that you're trying to um, not really innovate but just build up the foundations of your kind of practice in terms of social media and you know looking at other opportunities and, and ways of just uh, trying to get your work out there and engage and and try and get further commissions you know beyond just word of mouth uh, yeah uh, well i well i'm active in social media from facebook twitter instagram uh, tumblr uh and more now because i don't have more time it takes this time consuming but yeah. uh, it gives you basically it gives you a lot it's a way that you can reach people i'm not saying just editors but uh, obviously the the audience mm -hmm. uh, but um, but also through contacts festivals uh, i i do a lot of research of, for example publications even mm -hmm. if i don't know them mm -hmm. so basically if i do a story and i okay who this story will interest to yeah and then okay let's say feminist magazines I don't know or environmental magazines yeah and I go through almost every country on internet now it's you have everything there so you know you just need seats and look for it yeah and you know and sometimes maybe you oh uh, in Sweden it, for example it's a feminist country uh, really uh, strong about mm -hmm. it oh I'm doing a piece about and this is an example obviously uh, uh, that has to do something with this. Okay, I'm gonna. I've, and sometimes I don't know, but I thought about that. And okay, I'm gonna ask a friend from the country, which magazines will interest this? Do you know? And they, oh, you know. And okay, I'm gonna look for the contacts. And sometimes I ask them, can you see 
open the magazine and see if he has the email, if he's not online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they email me and they give me these contacts, which I don't know if you're going to work or not. Sometimes yeah. I never get a reply. Sometimes. Yeah. But it's all about research and thinking about uh, or to pitch an idea or which I think it's harder. It's easier when you have already something to mm -hmm. show. Um, but it works pretty well. So it's a lot of research. Uh, unfortunately, you spend more time in front of a computer than photographing. So. Yeah. <laughs> and would you approach multiple publications or uh, various editors with the same project? Or do you just kind of, do you have like a hierarchy? For example, you say, right, I'm going to try them first. If they reject me, then I'm going to try them. Yeah. And what's, what's your approach? So you give somebody kind of the opportunity to be exclusive uh, and then if they reject it, then you move to the next one and so on, or do you just scattergun? And uh, no, I, I try to have some respect as well. I don't right. want to uh, be seen, you know, like you can have problems, you know, if you suddenly are offering you know, the same story to a lot of people at the same time. At least I believe it, it depends to who you work. Mm -hmm. At least it's how I'm, well, I'm still, as I'm saying, I'm still new. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot by try and error. Mm. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but basically, yeah, I have uh, the publications that I've been working and they gave me basically my first jobs and basically believe in me. I, they have my preference as well and sometimes they are not the most paying, but I'm one thing I try to be is loyal. Right. So, you know, if they gave me the opportunity and I think it will interest them, I will give them the opportunity to... Because it's all about creating relationships and yeah. everything. And uh, I don't want to jump, you know, why not? Uh, and then I might give to the same story to different publications at the same time if I know there's no conflict. Like, for example, I give to somewhere in the US to a newspaper, a magazine, and I'm going to give one in Germany. There's no problem. Mm -hmm. But, for example, online, I try not to give to, uh, at the same time because online can reach such a bigger audience and yeah. you know it doesn't matter if it's a website from America or UK mm -hmm. or Australia or Japan yeah well maybe Japan uh, but you know people can see it but if it's a magazine or newspaper obviously you know we will not leave the country so then I might offer to different publications at the same time but uh, it depends it depends as well the reach of the publication if it's like Washington Post uh, I never work with New York Times but I might I will never you know I know that the reach that they have is it's much bigger, you know, it's published everywhere, so, okay, you know. And they actually ask for exclusivity to be the first ones to publish anyway, so. Right, okay. So you need to respect and know the rule, yeah, otherwise yeah. maybe you, you close the door that, you know, they will never open mm. again, so. You need, I think, yeah, I try to be careful with that, and, uh, but it depends. But uh, you find people have been generally receptive to that approach then, yeah. you know, emailing them, saying, look, you know, here's this body of work I've got. Uh, would you be interested? So the yeah, uh, I've been working, well, not always, uh, and not with every story, but uh, yes, I actually cannot complain about it. Uh, you know, just sending a small email with a few images, just a small PDF, yeah. you know, that it's easier to look at. Like, you know, if you, I think is interesting for you, maybe for your publication. Obviously, I'm not selling snow to, uh, you know, Swiss people or, you know, mountain, you know, this is an expression that yeah. is like you need to understand who you're offering the image. If yeah. It's going to make any sense. Yeah. It's not just, you know, uh, I don't know, give corporate image to, you know, 
I don't know, to a kind of left-wing, uh, you know, newspaper or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it has to make some sense. Mm -hmm. It's not just okay. I have all these lists and I'm gonna send to everyone. No, yeah, it's got to be relevant to the publication. Yeah. Yeah, you need to know what, what you're doing, otherwise they, yeah. they're going to start looking at you and probably they block your emails. You know? yeah, it's yeah. like, this guy's really, you know, you are wasting my time. Mm. And I know editors don't have much time and they are bombarded with emails. So, you yeah. know, you need to be really careful when you, to who you email and what mm. you are offering. It has to make some sense. So. But usually, well, obviously, there's some reception to some, less to others, yeah. but uh, I think it's more or less working. <laughs> and are there any aspects of your current practices uh, that you're critical of that you would like to change? You know, bad habits and things that you would like to improve upon? Well, I think there's loads of, there's always room to improve. <laughs> I've got now what, in what? Uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, <laughs> but I know there's definitely a lot to improve. Uh... But what, what, would, what would be your kind of main the main thing about your practice that you would like to improve. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, in a way, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> but in a way, it's like, okay. Well, one thing, and this is not really, I, I'm a bit shy. Uh -huh. And I think I lose a lot of opportunities because of it. Right. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not shy when I know people. When I, but the first step, it's really hard for me. In terms of, I don't know. Uh, and with that shy, I. I China, let's say uh, it's. I feel that I sometimes I'm too far from the action or something. Right. I'm still. It takes a lot of time, and I maybe need to work that. And mm -hmm. I think you know, as Kappa said, you know, if, if you're not yeah. close enough, then your photos are not good enough, or your right. photos are not good enough if you're not close enough to the action. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel that sometimes I'm a bit. I I need to work more on that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm. I don't know. Maybe another thing and. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Uh, I notice lots of people can go to a place and start taking straight away photos and, you know, and I feel, sh even with that, because I'm shy, I'm sometimes afraid to take the camera or bother the people and I lose many photos with that. Yeah. Maybe in a way it's because I'm respectful as well yeah, with exactly, the people, yeah. Yeah. but I have that problem. I Sometimes I feel that I lose loads of photos that probably other people took mm. uh, because I feel I cannot do this or I don't feel I should take this photo or maybe it's wrong to ask or mm. so I will take time until and then I see okay I feel that then I can and I'll do it I don't know maybe other photographers they go and just p put the camera in the face of people and they don't I cannot yeah. do that I no. I really get I don't know it actually bothers me yeah but maybe you know maybe but I sometimes I oh I'm losing a lot but maybe in another way maybe not I don't know no. Sometimes I, I feel I lose a bit. Maybe I should improve on that. Maybe not. Well, but maybe maybe for kind of you know short term stuff that doesn't rely on relationships. Then yeah, maybe you know maybe if it's a an activity that you know is, has a very finite amount of time, you know, and, and if you don't get it, then that's it. You know, you've lost the opportunity. Maybe in those situations, it's okay to just kind of ask questions later or ask permission later. But I think if it is something that that is more based on relationships and as a more long-term project it's something that you really want to get under the skin of, of the community or the issue whatever then I, I, I think you know having a gradual approach to to kind of putting the camera in people's faces is is respectful and is probably the better thing to do really because mm -hmm. I think if if you just run in there you know all guns blazing 
people are going to react to that and, and it may also actually affect what you're documenting because you know if you do go in with your camera inevitably straight away you're affecting the 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 situation by simply being present there but if you've taken a more kind of gradual respectful approach then people will acknowledge your presence know that they shouldn't be wary of you you know because you're being respectful you're being kind of uh, cautious and you're taking your time you know you, you care about what they think and what they feel then I think you're actually possibly less likely to impact on the situation that you're observing and, and that you want to document so I think that you know there is there are pros and cons to both approaches uh, and I suppose really it's just about what it is that you're that you're so basically for news photography I'm not the best yeah, guy <laughs> exactly yeah and, and likewise I'm just yeah I prefer I prefer the whole process of building relationships and being respectful and and you know and getting to a situation where people are comfortable with your presence so you are not imposing yourself and that you're not or minimizing the impact that you have on that situation inevitably your presence is always going to impact it especially if you're a foreigner on some level but yeah I think news photography where it is just about you know just capturing an instant in time or you know that some activity with with no sort of interaction with the people no kind of development of a relationship I, I struggle with that as well. I, 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 think I, it's, I cannot it's not uh, my way of I'm very reluctant to to go into those situations you know mm -hmm. and because there's no there's no story being explored you know really there's no depth to it's it. just it's getting just the a, image and yeah it's just an instant in time you know it's a, a single event you know captured you know a fleeting thing rather than any sort of real exploration of why what you know how mm -hmm. What are people's thoughts and, and things? So, so yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, I but, understand your situation. And, but I but feel sometimes I lose too, some things as yeah, well. It's like yeah. so sometimes it's like I know I should be more assertive and especially yeah. because when I see people like mm. going I'm like you know and yeah. I, I, maybe I should do this or you know mm. and uh, and another thing I think is uh, in terms of organization I feel I still have some things to improve. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't we all? Uh, but yeah. uh, uh, there's a, I don't know, uh, maybe some other things I would like to also improve in terms of with the longer stories. It's not even the longer stories, it's kind of uh, sometimes I think, oh, I see projects, oh, you know, how, you know, uh, oh, this is amazing and everything, I would like to do something, and then sometimes it's like, can I do it? Should I improve on that? Or, I don't mm. know. Uh, uh, so knowing which direction you should take and what you should pick up and run with and what you shouldn't, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like, okay, you know. Uh, but I, I think it's as well, now I'm, with time I'm discovering more. So mm. maybe, you know, I think it's probably because I'm so fresh. <laughs> well, that, that's the kind of thing that I was hinting at earlier on, actually, is that, you know, the curiosity, when curiosity drives you, it's a great motivator. But it can be distracting as but, well. But yeah, because then you think, oh, you know, actually, that's really interesting. I'd like to learn about that. You know, meanwhile, you're in the middle of some other project. And so I have a tendency to spread myself thin, you know, because I'm just interested in everything and I'm curious about everything and I want to explore it. And I really have to kind of rein myself in and be disciplined and say, no, right, you gotta, you got to focus on this. you got to kind of see this to a certain point and then, you know, explore that. But That's, uh, what, uh, yeah. that's what I think with organization and mm. everything because... 
well, I'm doing some projects in long term, but I can get really sometimes distracted. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, I know. And I'm trying to discipline myself that, uh, you know, okay, yeah, that's point. Okay, I have to do a bit. Okay, I, maybe I will not do everything now, but I cannot just jump from one place to another and straight on and, you know, leave half here, half yeah. there, half there. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's about getting it to a point where it's meaningful, you know, mm -hmm. and, and obviously if you explore it beyond that, then great, you know, because then it adds layers and more complexity. But at least if you explore something to a point where it's meaningful and, and it's, you know, it's maybe not a complete picture, but at least it's a comprehensive picture. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's what I'm trying to get with my own practice is to get myself to that point and not allow myself to be distracted until I've explored a story to a point where it's, you know, comprehensive and, and meaningful. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately that's, that's what drives me is, is a desire to, to raise awareness and, and you're only going to do that and engage people, you know, as we were talking about earlier, is if it's meaningful, you know, mm -hmm. if it's just a, a random series of images, it's just very disparate and, and um, the story is, is quite shallow, then that's not going to engage people, you know. So it does have to be taken to a point where it's meaningful to actually have any sort of value in terms of raising awareness and, and engagement. So finally, just to wrap up, uh, where can people see and uh, follow your work at eduardo leal 80 on twitter and uh, on instagram i think it's the same but maybe without the at before and mm. um, on facebook it's leal edu uh, it's my personal page but i don't use it as a as a you know I'm, i don't share what i had for f dinner or you know <laughs> yeah. or if i'm on holidays or whatever i don't share anything yeah like that i share all the you know, only work or photography related. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and your website? It's www.eduardoleal.co.uk. Well, most of the work is there. Great. Okay, well, thank you very much. You're Thanks for listening to this episode of the Documentary Photography Review Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview and hearing about Eduardo's work and experiences. You can see Eduardo's work at eduardoleal.co.uk. That's E-D-U-A-R-D-O-L-E-A-L.co.uk. Links to his social media accounts as well as to the people and organizations we mentioned during the interview can be found in the show notes at documentaryphotoreview.com forward slash interviews and navigate to the page for this podcast. As mentioned, I will be publishing a new interview at least once a month, so be sure to subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher so you don't miss out. If you have any comments, suggestions, or would like to suggest a photographer to feature on the podcast, or indeed you are a photographer yourself, then get in touch with me via chris at documentaryphotoreview.com or via Twitter at docphotoreview. Please be sure to share this interview far and wide. And until next time, take care.